Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, succession planning, extending your network. Here we go. Succession planning is something that most managers think happens at the top of their organization. And if they think of succession planning at all, which they often don't, or if they even know that it's done at their firm, right? So we have a different thought. Wouldn't we agree that it's fair to say that at many firms it doesn't happen, right? It's there unfortunate. There's no planning. Yes. There's just responding. Yeah. But we know that it happens at all levels at those firms who are really well managed. And even if your firm doesn't do it at all, you can apply the basic principles of succession planning to your role if you're a manager to make yourself and your team more effective. You don't have to have a corporate process in order to do some of the things that a corporate process would suggest that you do. Right. And it's not this big, complicated thing about, okay, what happens no. if I get hit by a truck or something like that? What, what if you go out sick for a couple of days, right? Or you go on vacation and someone has to answer the mail or be on conference calls or do any of a number of things. That's a succession planning question. Yeah, exactly. What have you done to make those people ready, right? And actually, some people would say, well, that's not a succession planning question. That's a question of vacation coverage. Well, vacation coverage is part of succession planning. If you want to have somebody ready to take your position, then they have to know how to do your position, at least part of it. That's part of where the, the 150% manager tools rule comes in, right? Right. Uh, in terms of getting promoted. So, so look, think of it this way. If you want to go on vacation and not to have to answer your mail and be on conference calls and respond to every single issue, and oh, by the way, if you think that proves that you're a total professional and you're involved in everything, you're mistaken. The people at the top think, how come you can't manage your time so you can go on vacation? But if you want to do those things, you need to think about the kinds of things one does when one does succession planning. That is, you need to think, who's going to replace me, even if just for a day or two, and how are they going to get ready to do it well? You can go, and if you don't answer emails, somebody will probably try to solve the problem, but why not practice a little bit along the way so that more of your people will be more ready to stand up? E even if it's just one of your people, even if you choose your number two and you say, look, I'm going to be doing a bunch of things that will help you get ready so that when I'm gone for a week or two, you're in charge. I'm going to tell people, you're in charge. And if you're thinking that that doesn't happen at your firm, maybe it doesn't. And all that says is there are no managers who are thinking clearly about managing their succession plan or just arranging for coverage to be effective while they're gone. Right. And folks, if you think that there's a lot to cover around succession planning, you're right. We have a 20-point outline today, and it's going to be delivered in 25 parts, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. This should be a fairly short cast, right? We try to chunk it down to a real basic level. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about all of succession planning. We're going to talk about some right. one specific idea around succession planning. Right. Exactly. Which is helping your directs know the people in your network that make a difference to the work of your team. One of the problems with asking your team, a team member to step up is that they don't know the people that you do 
or they don't know them as well. They know who they are, but just knowing who somebody is isn't a relationship, right? They don't have the connections you do. They don't have the relationships that you do. Those are the things. Those connections and those relationships make things easier for you than for them. It's not always just your role power, although certainly sometimes it is. It's that you know other people at the same level as you. And, and frankly, what's interesting about this, if you've ever heard about companies selling and, and having a certain value attached to them called goodwill, you can actually think of this as part of the goodwill. Your relationships are part of the goodwill you develop in your job. When you change companies, part of the reason things are harder is because you don't have those relationships. You've lost all that goodwill. Goodwill is part of the incalculable, although often estimated when companies are sold, value associated with staying in one place or developing the relationships over time. Yeah, and that, that those relationships, your network, have value. And so the question is, what can we do as bosses to extend our network to our directs? Exactly. Yeah. And at this point, you could almost say, well, you know what? Let's forget everything about succession planning. Let's forget about extending our network. Let's just tell you a couple of things you can do that even if you don't understand the bigger picture, I would argue that almost no one would say, oh, I would never do that. And the two things we're going to recommend are bring a direct to a meeting that you attend with your boss and or your peers and introduce them to the people who attend the meeting. Something else you can do, invite them to back you up to come with you to a one-to-one, one-on-one, face-to-face meeting. And again, introduce them to a peer or to a boss or to somebody else, you know, way far away in the organization. Those are our first two points. Those are two simple things you can do that will make your directs more effective, make you more effective, and relate to succession planning. But even if you don't like succession planning as an idea, there are good things to do for just when you want to take a couple of days off and now your people know more of the people they need to know. And then I want to cover a third point. Just very briefly at the end, Mike, I want to – because we're going to get right into how to do this, I want to f- finish off with why. We're going to make a couple of suggestions about why. So if you're one of those people that really needs to know why we're recommending this and it's not clear yet, we'll cover that in step three and we are point three and we only have three points today. So it should go pretty quickly. Good. Now, it's incredible to me that the number of bosses that never bring their directs to meetings with either their boss or with their peers and, inter- and introduce them. It's, it's stunning to me. Why, why don't people do that more often? I mentioned this actually. I was in... Um, Houston the other day, and I, I mentioned it to somebody at the client, and uh, and I got actually mentioned it to two people in the same conversation, and one person said one thir- per one thing, and another person said another. The first person said, "Oh well, I can't do that. I mean, you just don't bring a person a level down to those kind of meetings." And the other person looked at him and says, "No, no, you, yeah, you can, you do. It's fine. It's no problem." And the first person was really kind of stunned. The second person said, "No, the reason I don't is." I don't need them knowing all the stuff I'm doing. And the first guy says, well, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you want them to know? <laughs> they they might like, actually be able to do oh. some of it for you. <laughs> yeah. And I think, look, and, and to be fair, if you're not doing this now, we're not trying to belittle you at all. If no one else has done it before you, right? If no one else has actually modeled this for you, why would you assume it ever gets done? It's just part of, well, this is a vertical organization and my boss goes to meetings, he's supposed to go. And and I, I'm sure some people say, well, my directs are busy. And so I wouldn't ask them to come to a meeting that they didn't have, that they didn't deliver value in. And my thought is, wait a minute, the vast majority of meetings people go to, they don't deliver any value at all. And if you ask one of your directs, hey, would you like to go to a meeting with me to meet some of the folks that I regularly 
work with because you having relationships them would be good. Having relationships with them would be good. I don't think there's a director in the world who would say, "Oh no, thank you." Yeah, I have yeah, no that's desire to know those people. <laughs> yeah, those are the people you got to convince exactly. when you promote me. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I exactly. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later too. I'm always amazed people don't get that right. Yeah. Well, unless unless they're like an idiot and they know they're an idiot, right? Then then they yeah, yeah, <laughs> then they okay, may yeah. not want to go. But yeah, let's, let's put that that right. one aside. Yeah. <laughs> So look, yeah, so you're right. Why aren't more of us doing this more often? What you do is you bring one of your directs to meetings you go to. You don't have to do it every week. You don't have to do it every meeting, okay? We're not suggesting every time you go to a meeting, you drag one of your directs along, and we're not suggesting you do this with all of your directs. You could choose to just do it with your number two, or you could do it with your top performers, um, the people you're more likely to lean on when you leave, when you get fired or when you go on vacation or when you're just on a client trip or a logistical trip or what have you. So a great example would be your boss's staff meeting. It's a great place to start. And look, there are plenty of other meetings that you go to that you're with peers and so on on projects uh, or with your boss and other members of your peers that aren't the staff meet or whatever, where your directs could join you as an additional, as the the 10th man on the deal team, so to speak, where there would be no problem with them coming and having a quiet role in the background. Right. And, and there's just a minor logistical consideration, right? Which is, you know, just going to everybody in the meeting and getting their approval to bring your direct, right? So it's not a lot of work, but there's some work there, right? I actually years ago suggested this and somebody said, yeah, I've got to get approval from everybody. And I actually kind of irritated him because I looked at him and said, that's dumb. No, no, don't, <laughs> you know, don't, don't do that. I, I love it when you, when you take my, my uh, comments and say, well, that's dumb. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but this guy, I mean, I, I, I felt bad because it just seemed obvious to me, and I think by now everybody knows that you know all this stuff anyway, and I've already done it. But look, you tell your direct to come along in advance. You give them notice. You look at your calendar for the next week, and you say, hey, Rob, why don't you come to this meeting with me next week? It'll be good. You need to meet some people, and I want you to meet them. You don't need to get approval for one of your directs to come along, despite what some people think. Yeah, because as soon as you ask, all they're gonna, all you're going to do is get a denial, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, if, if, yeah, it, we promise you. Okay. If you ask for an okay, far too many other managers will say things like, oh, it's possible that perhaps the discussion might include something confidential. And is it really necessary to have one person at their level along at the meeting? Right. And it's all, they're all idiotic statements, frankly. They are. And, and yeah, you asked for it. You know, so just, if you ask a question, yeah. that's what you're going to get. So don't ask. Right? Yeah. So here's what you do. You invite your direct. You tell Now, look, they don't, they, they don't have to be on the, the, the attendee list. You don't notify anybody they're coming. You just bring them along to the meeting. You could easily justify it by saying, now, look, we're not suggesting you fib. But if the meeting was at one o'clock, you could say, hey, look, my, my direct and I just went to lunch. We were talking about a project, whatever. And he's coming back and I just invited him to tag along. Now, I, I don't actually recommend the phrase tag along, but if you want to, in your head right now, if you're listening and in your head you're thinking, how would I do this, right? You're coming back from lunch with somebody and you say, hey, look, don't go up to the seventh floor. Do, you know, I got a meeting on the fourth floor. I, I, I got to go to it right away. Why don't you come along? And right, the, the direct would say, well, sure. My, you know, your boss is asking you along. Sure, I will, right? And then you tell the team as you walk in, you say, hey, look, guys, just want to let you know my direct's here. We went to lunch and he was going back to his room. I thought it'd be good for him to sit in for half an hour or whatever. And you know what everybody will do? Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. Now, 
We respect that there are some of you at companies where verticality is everything, right? Where directors don't talk to managers, managers don't talk to associates, and directors don't talk to senior directors, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, there are rare exceptions, but I'd be willing to bet 99 out of 100 of you who are listening right now, and that would mean you if you're listening, your company is not so vertical that you can't allow someone who is one row beneath you in the organization to attend a meeting with you. Um, the fact is they're going to attend meetings for you when you're gone. So might as well have them uh, attend with you. Now, look, if, if somebody asks why they're there, just say something like they may have to fill in for me for a couple of days on this project or they'll be handling a significant part of this work that my team is doing or this work or the project is going to have a significant effect on them and their team. And so I thought I'd have them sit in with me. This is going to make virtually any concern that anybody has go away. Now, now look, if your boss is in the meeting, your boss says, well, actually, Mark, you know, the last 50 minutes, I was hoping to have a discussion about performance. Um, so that may not be comfortable. You could say one of two things. Say, well, okay, you can sure and direct and say, hey, not a good meeting. I'll see you later. No problem. Or you could say, do you mind if they stay for the first 30 or 40 minutes? And the boss would say, no, nah, that's fine. Right? Yeah. And then and, and let me let me go to a point that I made earlier with another client a week or two ago. I said, I asked, hey, look, would you be okay if one of your managers brought someone to a meeting? And the, this executive, this director said, sure. And then I went to the manager. I said, how would you feel about bringing somebody to a meeting? Oh, no, I'm not sure my boss would be okay with it. It's funny how differently, I've talked about this before, how differently we see our relationship with our directs as opposed to how we recognize that we're a direct of our boss. We've done this hundreds of times. It works fine. The fear that you might have is misplaced. And, and look, we respect it. We respect that there's a fear. And what we're telling you is our experience shows that fear is unfounded. Real, but unfounded. So you get to the meeting then. Do you suggest then that folks take their direct and, and introduce them to all the individuals one by one? Hey, you know, hey, John, I'd like you to meet yeah, sure. uh, Bob, my director. Yeah. Look, there's nothing wrong with walking in and saying, hey, for those of you who don't know, this is my direct, Robert Smith. Just want you to know he's here. The ideal way for your direct to meet others is to introduce himself or herself to the other attendees before the meeting starts, right? And, and look, you tell them you're going to bring them to the meeting and then tell them, hey, when you get in the meeting, I may mention it to somebody, but if you're standing next to somebody, stick out your hand and introduce yourself if the opportunity presents itself. If, if they're confident enough, if they're that kind of person, they can go up to anybody there stick out their hand and say, hi, Tamara, I'm Robert. Good to see you. I'm here with Mark. There's some stuff I'm going to be helping him with. Or, hey, I'm here with Mark. This project relates really closely to my team's work, so he asked me to come along. Something like that. Why is that the ideal versus you making the introduction? Well, because I think when I make the introduction, it reinforces this person works for me. But mm. when they make the introductions, they're saying we're just both professionals. It tends to, I think, maybe maybe we're being too too careful here, but I think it tends to make it less about role and it makes it more about just some professionals getting, you know, getting together to talk about work. Right. Right. And and look, CEOs tell us all the time, EVPs and SVPs all the time say, I wish people would speak up more. Right? 
And yes, some of those are the ones that then punish people who speak up with bad ideas. So we understand that that does happen, right? And we're we're certainly respectful of boss power. Uh, we've said before, don't give your boss feedback. But frankly, the vast majority of more senior people say, sure, have them come. And, you know, if, if, it, uh, if there's a way that, uh, you know, it, it could be beneficial to them, that's great. I think you make a, a good point because one of the, the questions that comes up in succession planning all the time, whether or not it's articulated or not is a different question, but – you know, the question often folks mind is, can I see this person sitting at our table, right? Are they yeah. strong enough? Are they um, aggressive enough to play at this level? Now, and, and every level thinks they're more aggressive than the level below them, but we'll, we'll avoid whether that's true or not. Right. That's that's what they ask, right? Or is the person going to be a wallflower and not contribute at this quote-unquote right. higher level? And the idea of them introducing themselves sends kind of sends a message that, hey, I'm willing to, I can, I can play at this level. Exactly. Yeah. yeah good. Now, look, if for some reason your director doesn't get introduced, you walk in right at the beginning of the meeting and you don't get a chance to introduce them around or you don't even get to say their name. And probably if you don't introduce them or they don't introduce themselves, there'll probably be a couple people looking over at the your direct going, hmm, wonder why he's here. Who's he? But if it doesn't happen by the time the meeting ends or there are some people whom your direct missed, then it's your job to make sure they do get introduced to those who are still around. And look, it's not hard. Even if somebody is walking out, you can go up to them and say, hey, Marion, real quick, I want to introduce Mike. He's on my team. He's going to be helping me out on some of this work. And then Mike sticks out his hand and says, hi, Marion. I'm Mike Ozan. Nice to meet you. And Marion says, oh, hi, Mike. Come by and see me sometimes. I'll tell you what a jerk your boss is. <laughs> right? And somebody's going to, they're going to make jokes like that. And, and look, there doesn't have to be any great conversation that happens. Just the introduction as the other person walks out. Very brief. And now they're aware of you as somebody who travels in circles that they travel in, as opposed to somebody who works for somebody who's a peer of theirs. Now, some of you are probably saying right now, wait a minute, though. My director already knows who these people are. Why do I need to introduce them? And I, I think it's fair to say you're right in a way, but maybe you're seeing it a little bit too narrowly. The point of the introduction is not to have them know your direct's name. And in fact, the statement, my direct already knows who these people are, is really a bit of a, a misdirection because, yeah, of course they know who they are, but – you know, I know who President Obama is, but I don't know him, right? If I ran into him, I would certainly say it's an honor to meet you, Mr. President. But that doesn't mean I know him, nor does nor does he know me. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of us make that we're somewhat myopic about our our directs. And we think, oh, our directs could meet our peers and so on. It'd be fine. Well, and yet at the same time, we don't necessarily have good relationship with our boss's peers. And we don't recognize that that's probably true for our directs as well. The point of the, of the introduction is not to have them know your direct's name, but again, to have them associate your direct with work that is done at their level. It would surprise us a lot, frankly, or it would surprise us if, if a lot of your team were unknown to your peers. So it's not just a matter of introducing. It's a matter of introducing within a higher organizational context. And that's the key, the context. Yeah, context, right? Associating your direct with this higher level context. Okay. Now, our second point, invite them to back you up at a face-to-face -face meeting, introduce them. So that it's just a one-on-one -on -one versus a, a staff meeting or a larger gathering of folks at your level. Yeah. And look, here, here's why, here's where this advice, this recommendation came from. I made this recommendation a number of years ago to a to an executive, and, and actually it was an interesting case where he said, I've got three people I just can't choose from. 
And I was stunned that he couldn't choose. It was obvious to me, but but it was his call, right? If he'd asked me, which one should I pick? I'll say, that's easy. It's this guy. And folks, I'm joking a little bit about the it's easy. I knew who I liked the most. But barring that, you'd say, take one. Okay, if they're all equal, then just take one. <laughs> just right, take right, one, right, right. But, but, but what I said was, okay, I'm having trouble picking from these three guys. And I said, well, okay, start you know, having this person come to you to meetings. And he took him to a couple of meetings and I said, hey, you know, what about doing it to uh, for face-to-face meetings? He says, oh, I could never do that. That would be really difficult. And I said, no, I don't, I don't think so. And so basically what happened was I said, Let, let's pick somebody who, you know, your boss is a good guy. I know your boss is a good guy. Um, you know your boss is a good guy. Try it. See what happens. And if it goes badly, tell him Horseman told you to do it. <laughs> That may not work for a lot of our audience, but for right for him, and, now, look, I wanted him to get all three of the, his folks in front of as many people as possible, including his boss. And I thought my favorite would win. And in fact, my favorite did win. But what was important was the boss said, you know, this is really great. He brought somebody else to the meeting. He says, bring some of your top guys to these meetings pretty regularly and let them sit in and let them see how we exchange stuff. We may have to ask them to step out at a particular time. And that that executive who I've been coaching on the succession planning issue came back to me and said, man, I feel like an idiot. I, I, you know, I've missed thousands of meetings where I could have extended things or helped my folks a great deal more. And so he said, please don't let anybody tell you they shouldn't invite people to one-on-one meetings. It really, really works. Now, he was, you know, biased. His boss was really open to it, but he did it for a bunch of other cases and there, there wasn't really a a problem. Now, we admit it is a little harder because your peer or your boss is, is expecting a two-person meeting and you're adding 50% more people to the meeting, right? But it's a call you have to make based on the person you're going to bring and on the person they're going to meet. Don't bring your number one person to your meeting with your worst enemy, right? right, uh, right. Unless they're best friends. It's still a good idea. Any guidance on picking the right? Yeah. So look, it's easy, right? Choose a meeting. We're having a backup. The, the director you're bringing is a reasonable thing. Look for meetings that have impact beyond you, in other words, on your team, as opposed to just work you do, or meetings that without question are going to involve your team working on it. If you're talking about budgets and salaries, then obviously you wouldn't- Probably not be reasonable uh, bring, to bring Yeah, you director. wouldn't wouldn't bring a direct. But yeah. if you're talking about budgets and salaries aren't on the table, and there are often budget meetings that are logistical, operational, marketing budgets, and so on, and we're not talking about salaries, the salary portion of it is left out, then bring one of your directs. If you're talking about supporting a peer with your organization, bring one of your directs who may, in fact, have communications directly with that peer if your organization is an internal support organization. Frankly- I didn't know it at the time, but part of the reason this worked so well early on was I was saying, hey, look, you guys do a lot of work for this other organization. Why don't you start bringing your directs? And the the internal organization that was being supported, this marketing organization that was being supported by an IT group, the marketing organization was thrilled that the IT people, other supporting IT people were coming. Now, to be fair, the IT people were told, you know, that th- this particular IT manager that was brought into this meeting with his marketing VP was told, look, you're probably not going to be involved and we'll give guidance on how to tell your folks just sit quietly. But the marketing person loved it because he says, I feel like a lot of times I say X and X prime gets communicated and then we get into a who shot John kind of discussion later that's ineffective. So if there's a chance that something sensitive is going to be discussed, don't invite them. But if it's a one-on-one and there's nothing sensitive, 
you'd be surprised how much lower the bar is than you realize. If you're talking about supporting somebody, if you're talking about how to solve an ongoing problem with a client, bring a direct that relates to that supporter, relates to that client. Yeah, the client will love it. The client wants to yeah, talk to the person it. actually doing the work, not to you. Unfortunately, yeah. sorry, guys, but that's the way it, that's the way it yeah, is. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, look, you've got to let that person know in advance in a case like this, because again, if it was a much larger meeting with 20 people, one person there is, is really irrelevant. They're just like a fly on the wall. But by the one-to-one meeting, that third person is a 50% increase. Someone expecting a private meeting and then being surprised that it's not a private meeting, that's probably not cricket, right? So let them know, hey, don't ask, okay? Don't ask. Just say, hey, I'm going to bring one of my one of my team who's going to be involved with this. Or I'm going to bring one of my team that I want to read into this uh, going forward so I've got another set of eyes on this, even if they're not going to be working on this particular project in detail. You know, I worry about it, and I'm sure some folks listening are worried about it. What about, you know, bringing the direct and the direct inappropriately opens her mouth and yeah. makes a fool of herself or – tries to impress too much or whatever. Is there like guidance we ought to be given yeah, these folks? Yeah, look, um, we, we recommend in both of these situations, I probably should have covered this sooner when we talked about going to the larger meeting, but in both these situations, you do give you do give your direct some guidance. And, and the guidance is it's best to be seen and not heard. This is not really a chance for them to interact a great deal. This is about you extending your network to them so they know the people that you work with beyond just the fact that they're a direct of yours. And the idea is for them to be seen in a different context, not to be heard in a different context. They're not at the table, so to speak. And in fact, physically, it's best for them to not sit at the table in a larger meeting, right? Right. Uh, As a general rule, the only reason they would speak up is if somebody asked them a direct question. Yeah, that would not be time for them to <laughs> for them to to like shrug their shoulders and look at you with a pleading glance. Yeah, right. take yeah. Shot. What no. do I say? Yeah. So put differently, they're not a party to the meeting; they're observing the meeting, but they still get credit for being in the meeting by other people, and they'll be associated with the meeting going forward. Now, look, if they're uncomfortable just sitting. If that bothers them or if it bothers you that they're observing and the subtle rationale is extending the network and getting them seen in a different context, you can tell them your role is to take great notes for me. There's nothing wrong with that or great notes for the entire team. That's going to keep them busy and they're probably going to learn a thing or two. And you may, in fact, want the notes later. Right. Okay. So let's talk about the why a little bit. I mean, I hope that for a lot of folks, this stuff is kind of self-evident, but there are some reasons for doing this that we ought to make really clear. It's worth being clear about. Yeah. So look, folks, your directs can't grow their networks upward in the organization as easily as you might like without some help. Okay. You might think, hey, they can do it. I know these people. They're okay. They should go introduce themselves. But some people are not that way. There's the, They see the verticality more vertically than you do, perhaps. It's just harder for them. And so for your peers and your boss and other people one level, two level higher than your folks, this is an easy way for them to grow their network. And and what better way that, you know, when they're at your level, they'll already have a little bit of an established network. We used to say in the, in the army that you always wanted to get promoted right before you moved to a new location, to a new military post. And the reason why was when you came in, For instance, it happened to me. I was a captain when I got to my new location, whereas there was somebody else who got promoted a little bit after me. And we, I mean, there wasn't that much difference between us in terms of time in in the 
service in, in the army, but I was seen the first day I was met, I was a captain. Now I could have had one year, five years, seven years as a captain. Nobody knew. Or one day. Although right? they could figure out, or one day. People knew Whereas you as the a new captain. guy, the new guy was a, was a first lieutenant, the rank below captain. And then like two months later, he was made captain. And he was always seen in the first year or two as a junior captain. Yep. Now, obviously he could have outperformed me. The guy was a great guy, but it's always better to have a network or to be seen as capable or to have a context when you take a larger role. If you if you get promoted and then you have to start from the very beginning creating all your relationships, you're creating relationships as the new guy, right? Yeah. So it's better to start relationships before you make uh, before you get a promotion. Or and for that matter, if you, one of your directs goes to somewhere else in the organization, it's probably not going to be so far away that they won't have to reach back. And if you're not there when they reach back to your part of the organization and they have a relationship with one of your peers, they can reach out to them. Okay. Um, another reason, look, when you're gone, well, let's say you go on vacation and you, you assign a number two. God, let's hope more people are doing that than I think. But your directs knowing people at your level and maybe a higher level, the more they know those people, the better they, they know them than they do now, it increases the chances for effective communication. You know, if your peer would normally come to you, but you're gone and now he has to go talk to your number two and your number two is sharp and she has a bit of a relationship with your peer, it's going to be a much less amount of work to get to a successful conclusion. So knowing people at a higher level when you're gone makes communication and results much easier. Now, look as well, uh, conflicts are averted when your peers or your boss know your directs a little bit better. Yeah, I, I'm always amazed at at this. I, I recall spending much more time resolving conflict between not my peers and I, but between the directs of my peers and my directs, right? And and right. the the other manager, my peer, ascribes the best of intentions to their direct and the worst of intentions to my direct. And the more they know you're direct, the less likely that is to happen. And so it's a, now it's a, it's a conversation with the assumption of good intents and a conversation yes. about the merits and the facts of the case versus about intent. Exactly. Yeah. You're going to be able to say, hey, Mike, you know, Robert, I mean, he's a good guy. And you go, yeah, I, yeah, I do. So look, maybe this is just a misunderstanding as opposed to let's play who shot John and yeah, it wasn't Robert. Or, you know, yeah, it was Rob. My, my guy is saying it was your guy. Your guy is saying it's my guy. <laughs> right? The better relationship my guy has with my peer, the less likely the, the blame is to fall on my guy and the less time we'll spend talking about this. Right. Hey, and just so we can avoid uh, getting a nasty email, yeah, I know that I used <laughs> – I, yeah. And when I sort of said me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. please, please, I, we could go back and re-record this. We won't, but just so you know, we know that's <laughs> And then the last one is the one that you mentioned before that is just, you know, we talked about it in the Steel Cage Deathmatch uh, guidance we put out a couple of years ago. Thank you, Dan McGuire, for the title. When you have to support one of your team getting promoted, and by the way, you do have to. Promotions just don't happen out of the blue. You actually have to go lobby for them in many cases. When you have to support one of your folks getting promoted, others of your peers and your boss will know them better because you've extended your network down to your direct. And that alone makes that promotion more likely. Yeah, definitely. I'll tell you what it is. I'll give you the, the, the objective rationale for it. If you're in the committee, if you're in the steel cage deathmatch promotion meeting, it's easier to say no 
when you're doling out a limited resource, it's easier to say no to someone you don't know. Uh, it's easier to withhold benefits from somebody you don't know than it is from somebody you do. And if they know your guy and they think highly of your guy or the young lady who's working for you, then it's much harder for them to say, well, I'm just going to choose my guy or, hey, I know that guy and I know he's good. And I know you're saying your guy is good, but I don't know him at all. If they know your guy, much harder to say no and therefore much easier to say yes. Senior executives often get accused of simply thinking about people as numbers. And to some extent, frankly, it's true. Because they, they, yeah. they, they all all they do is see numbers. They don't know John Smith, right? So, do your folks a, a favor: introduce them, make sure they're known, so they're no longer just a number. They're real people. Yep, exactly. So, look, we promised this would be a short cast. When it comes to succession planning, that can be a very granular thing. It doesn't have to be some big fancy thing. Bring your people to meetings with, that you go to with your boss and your peers, and introduce them. Have them back you up at face-to-face meetings as well and introduce them. And hopefully we've shared some reasons why. These are simple things you can do to get your directs exposure to your peers and your superiors in the organization. Almost nobody does this, but it really does work. And look, we understand you might think there would be issues, but there really aren't the issues that you fear, okay? Yeah, you got to avoid those meetings that have political implications and those where the performance of your directs might be openly discussed. That's probably very few meetings. When your directs start to have some connections with those with whom you work regularly, they're better able to handle issues for you when you're gone. And for that matter, when you're not gone as well. This is what professional executives and managers do, and it's not hard, and we recommend you do it. Excellent. Thanks, my friend. My pleasure, partner. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. I hope you not only listen to this, but you actually take some action. Take your directs to some meetings. Help them out. Extend your (laughs) network to them. All right, folks. We'll see you all next week. So long.